Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, everybody. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is Wired Up episode 100 100 episodes of wired up here on the take it easy podcast an idea we started two years ago because i wanted to talk about college football but didn't want to talk about it on tuesdays and so we created this wired up as an idea of during the football season a way to talk about what was happening on friday and saturday as we stepped away from the podcast and we continued it into the pandemic when we were doing six podcasts a week. We continued it into last football season, continued it through the offseason, took a brief break in July and August as we transitioned here to Believe Podcasts, picked up, wired up again here, and now for 100 Sundays, 100 hours approximately, we have been bringing you Wired Up here on the Take It Easy podcast. And it, it, it's a moment of nuance and perspective here on the podcast in a brutal week where it looks like I may have been hacked and we lose comical sports memes. Our page on Instagram that we had committed, you know, four years and thousands of hours to and probably the way that most of you found the podcast in the first place. Uh, if that page is gone and it's a major setback in the pursuit of our dreams, we can look at 100 episodes of Wired Up, 810 episodes of the Take It Easy podcast and say that we want to keep pursuing this infinite game, or at least I will say that I want to keep pursuing this infinite game, even if it means we don't have comical sports anymore, even if it means I have to go do something else to raise a platform and try and continue to support these dreams, and even if it looks like a major setback, it is not the end of what we are doing here. So in a week where we have that catastrophic loss, at least as it looks like right now, it's going to be a lost cause. Here, we can march onward with 100 episodes of Wired Up here on the Take It Easy podcast. And uh, I love each and every one of you who continue to support us through this really, really difficult time. Um, And uh, that's my two cents on, you know, loss and gain and perspective and all the stuff that's happened to us over the last week. And I'm just glad that all of you are still along for the ride and that I still still have the, the desire to come here on Christmas night at 10:20 on the west coast 
and deliver this wonderful podcast uh, just because I love doing it. It's not because we're making a ton of money, although you should absolutely support the sponsors of this wonderful podcast who are helping to make this dream happen. It is about pursuing something greater and getting better and practicing our skills and seeing where that takes us as the world looks kind of like open right now, uncertain. You definitely start questioning everything you've done up to that point and perspective is important in moments like this and having this be wired up episode 100 gives a little level of perspective there as well. So thank you for stopping in everybody. I really, really appreciate it. And we're going to have picks here. Walter Mitchell's got his picks. You know, Blake Jude's already. I'm going to give my picks for the weekend, even knowing now that I, on the Slump Buster podcast, I picked the Ravens and said like at the beginning, if Lamar plays, they win. If he doesn't play, they lose. And it's that simple for Baltimore. Well, now it's not even Tyler Huntley. It is Josh Johnson quarterbacking the Baltimore Ravens. At some point, we got to just talk about Josh Johnson. Maybe it'll be memes of the weekend on Monday, just talking about the ridiculous career trajectory of Josh Johnson. It'd be perfect if they win that game so that we can go on memes of the weekend and talk about Josh Johnson. If you hear a burp, it's because I have eaten approximately 4,688 calories worth of food here in the past 24 hours. So if you hear the burp in my voice, that is what that is. We're not going to edit it because we're very tired, but we are giving you Wired Up episode 100 on Christmas night here. So we'll get to that in a bit, but I did want to talk about something that happened on Christmas, and I just kind of want to take you back into the moment because what I want to talk about is Baker Mayfield, and I'm scared to talk about Baker Mayfield because everyone talks about Baker Mayfield, and there's almost nothing new that can be said that hasn't already been said about Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is where a lot of the wrestling characters of the sports media empire, whether that be Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp, or uh, you could go down to Dan Orlovsky and get up and, and shows that feel a lot like the worst parts of debate television Everyone talks about Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is a ratings generator. Why? Because the Cleveland Browns are generally ratings generators. The same way we talked about last year with Dak Prescott, where it we, we kind of felt like it was going to be a year-long play out on his franchise tag, and then he broke his ankle and he still got the contract extension from the Dallas Cowboys and everything has worked out swimmingly for Dallas as if swimmingly is probably going to lose in the second round to the Green Bay Packers then things have worked swimmingly for the Cowboys in rebounding with Dak Prescott healthy he's one of the top nine or ten quarterbacks in the NFL without question even post ankle injury but Dak Prescott during the heart of the pandemic his contract extension was Daily sports content, daily sports content, daily sports content. And so I believe it was July 31st, 2020, we did one episode on Dak Prescott's contract situation and would not revisit it the rest of the time. It's the same way we did a podcast uh, after the Cassius Marsh Bears-Steelers game where we said, here's what's going to happen to the Bears over the next 10 months. We're not going to seriously discuss the Chicago Bears again. Only make fun of them for the next 10 months. Even though I want to talk about Nick Foles playing quarterback for the Bears this week against the Seahawks, I'm not going to do it. And I'm scared to talk about Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield is another one of these topics that has been hijacked a lot by debate daily television. And the reason is because people can watch Baker Mayfield play year to year, month to month, week to week, 
and get a totally different perspective on what Baker Mayfield is. It's the uncertainty around Baker Mayfield that drives a lot of the conversation on a national level combined with there's a lot of interest in the Cleveland Browns. Remarkably, the Cleveland Browns have a really large fan base despite the fact they've been terrible for 20 goddamn years. People are really interested in the Cleveland Browns. There was a time where we were talking about calling them America's team because they were the team everyone was falling in love with after basically going two consecutive seasons without winning a football game. They won one game because of a bad Chargers kick. Their reward for that was Miles Garrett. Their reward for that was Denzel Ward, who looks like he's going to be on a Hall of Fame trajectory and locked down Devontae Adams at times. So much so that at the end of the Browns-Packers game, after it felt like Devontae Adams had been gone most of the game, and there was one play where right before the crazy Devontae Adams drop, uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a pass on a quick screen to Adams as the Packers were trying to burn clock, and Denzel Ward just broke up Devontae Adams off the line of scrimmage. Like, just, you know, the, the, the most, like, the most clear, accurate route you can think of is Aaron Rodgers, quick snap, and Devontae Adams running a slant off the line of scrimmage. Just like the most guaranteed pass you could possibly think of. Pinpoint accuracy of Aaron Rodgers, quick release off the line. A play that changed the NFL. The Aaron Rodgers one-second quick release screen is a pass that literally changed 15 years of the NFL. And Denzel Ward breaks it up, sets up third down, where Aaron Rodgers throws to Devontae Adams again, and Devontae Adams just has a straight drop with two minutes left in the game. So Denzel Ward is one of the rewards for two years of tanking. And Nick Chubb falls into their lap by trading Brock Os- or taking on Brock Osweiler's contract. They get Miles Garrett. They get Denzel Ward for two years of losing. And they get Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield is the first Browns quarterback to start for multiple seasons... In the last 20 years, the Browns went through 32 starting quarterbacks in 20 years. For years and years, they're just the worst franchise in football. They burn through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Story's been told for a long time. And Baker Mayfield is a quarterback that we know is at least top 20 good. And they're only, I've said it for a, a, a couple of months now, and it's really what I've articulated when we do our quarterback ratings every year is, There are only 20 to 22 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. We have to fill 32 slots, but there's only about 22 starting quarterbacks. And only about 16 of them are ones that you feel really good about. Like if you have 16 through 22, you're at least looking at replacements. The 49ers just traded three first round picks to get a replacement for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's easily a top 22 quarterback. Teams, there's about 12 teams I could name right now that would be happy to have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. If you're in that 16 to 22 range, you feel really, really good about, or you feel okay about the quarterback you have, but you're still looking for upgrades. We've talked before about how the improvement in quarterback play over the last 15 years has been quite remarkable. And part of that is the longevity of careers but also you have a couple more quarterbacks that have gotten really good at playing the position. More talent at the quarterback position than there's ever been before. It used to be that there were only about eight quarterbacks 
that were really good at any given time. And people were debating, is Jay Cutler a top 10 quarterback? Is Joe Flacco a top 5 quarterback? Is Rex Grossman a top 10 quarterback? Like, there, there just hasn't been good enough quarterbacks. But now you have Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback. And we don't we, we think Kirk Cousins is a really good quarterback, and yet Kirk Cousins is now potentially going to be on his third franchise in f- about 10 years coming up real quick here soon. Um, Derek Carr, very good quarterback. If Derek Carr had been around in the 80s and 90s, Derek Carr would have been a Hall of Fame level quarterback. And for years I've been saying the Raiders should try and upgrade from Derek Carr. Andy Dalton was a starting quarterback for a decade in Cincinnati. So there's more better quarterback play than there's ever been before, which means eventually teams that have gone decades without hitting on the quarterback position eventually are going to hit. Arizona has a franchise quarterback for the first time in 40 years. The Buffalo Bills have a franchise quarterback for the first time in 30 years. The Cleveland Browns aren't sure if they have a franchise quarterback or not. And this is where I'm afraid to talk about the Baker Mayfield conversation because the inevitable conversation around Baker Mayfield, and we've had this before on the podcast as well, is do you pay Baker Mayfield? What do you do about Baker Mayfield's contract? How good is Baker Mayfield? And I don't know how to do the evaluations on Baker Mayfield because Baker Mayfield has been injured this year, but also this is kind of what we want Baker Mayfield to be. And today's game kind of encapsulated that a little bit. In Baker Mayfield's rookie season, which is the thing people point to a lot about, this is where Baker Mayfield will grow as a player and be a franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Because remember, when Baker first got there, the Browns were 1-31 the previous two years. It was their second consecutive year with the number one pick. This was their franchise quarterback. This was the hard knocks year. They fired Hugh Jackson. They fired Todd Haley. And they reset everything. Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator. And this was Cleveland's next step up. In Baker's rookie year, Baker threw 27 touchdowns and 14 interceptions and had a passer rating of 94. And these numbers aren't perfectly accurate in encapsulating quarterback play, but they give just a broad picture of what I want to talk about here. Baker's 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 93 passer rating and his completion percentage was 63 percent which is middle of the road for an NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers career average I think is like 68 or 69 percent 60 and uh Drew Locke couldn't stay in the NFL at 59 percent 59 percent Drew Locke couldn't stay as a starter in the NFL so like it was average Baker Mayfield was an average NFL quarterback during his first year And he almost won Rookie of the Year with 27 touchdowns, which was at the time the most by any rookie in the history of the NFL. Justin Herbert broke the record last year. But in 2018, most touchdown passes in the history of the NFL. We did the thing where we assume players will get better as they get older. And it's not always the case. This is the thing I talk about with... Jason Tatum and Ben Simmons in the NBA is that players will always get better as they get older. But what happened in the case of Baker Mayfield, I think more than anything, is the game changed around Baker Mayfield. 
not just with getting a new coordinator in Freddie Kitchens and then promoting him to head coach and then having that catastrophe of a 2019 season, just catastrophe of a 2019 with Baker and Freddie Kitchens going 6-10 and and Odell Beckham having problems with Baker Mayfield or Baker having problems with Odell and whatever that situation may be because they gave up two first-round picks to get Odell Beckham. Miles Garrett got suspended for hitting a Mason Rudolph with a, in the head with a helmet, and they just lost a bunch of games. And And Kenyon Drake had four touchdowns against the Browns, and it was, it was just a calamity of a season, and Baker Mayfield played really, really bad that year. Completion percentage, 59%, 78% 70, passer rating. Baker Mayfield fell off the face of the earth and then came back last year with Kevin Stefanski asked to do exactly the same amount he did his rookie year. You know how many pass attempts Baker Mayfield had as a rookie? 486. You know how many pass attempts he had in 2020? 486. Asked to do exactly what he did as a rookie. Baker Mayfield ends up looking back to what Baker Mayfield was before, which is with an offense built it predicated on the run. The, the Browns, one of the best rushing teams in the NFL, one of the strongest offensive lines in the NFL. Baker Mayfield had a 63% completion percentage again, getting close to the number he was at his rookie year, threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, one less than his rookie season, only eight interceptions. Same number of pass attempts, 200 less yards, which means slightly fewer yards per completion. Uh, His yards per attempt actually went down by 0.4 yards from 7.7 to 7.3. And uh, his yards per completion went from 12 to 11.7. So small declines, but not major declines in Baker Mayfield's play. This still put him above average by NFL standards. And then Baker Mayfield finished with 3,500 yards, again, slightly less, one less touchdown, but six less interceptions. And the only difference in Baker Mayfield's stats is you bring down the six, the eight, (laughs) you have six less interceptions, your quarterback rating goes up by about 14 points and a passer rating of 96, which is, by the way, 96 means you're a top 15 quarterback in the NFL if you have a 96% passer rating for the season. His QBR goes up 14 points just by throwing less interceptions. And this is how the NFL game changed around Baker Mayfield, the same way it changed around Jameis Winston, the same way it changed around Marcus Mariota, the same way it changed for Drew Locke, even though the Denver Broncos wanted to give him as much time as he possibly could to figure out if Drew Locke was good or not. The passes in the NFL that are intercepted are so much more costly than previously imagined, especially with modern offenses that can mechanically work the ball down the field and score at higher rates than ever before. The math changed where teams value game-managing type of quarterbacks who don't turn the ball over and neuter their offense more than ones who make catastrophic mistakes that give the other teams points. Because not only are you not scoring points anymore, but now you're giving the other team points. In a sport where the points mean each more points being scored means points matter slightly less, but because teams are scoring more often, the turnovers are more costly because teams are turning those turnovers into points more often than they were previously. Which means, altogether, nerdy way of saying, 
turnovers are way more costly in the modern NFL than we previously thought they were. And Aaron Rodgers exposed this market inefficiency 10 to 12 years before everyone else could see it. And it's what makes Aaron Rodgers, up until Patrick Mahomes coming in, the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football. You could argue Aaron Rodgers is still the greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football in terms of pure skill. Never had the same luck as Brady with being in that organization. But Aaron Rodgers, greatest quarterback to ever pick up a football, which is 10 to 12 years before. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers has talked about this on, you know, Pat McAfee's show and when he does interviews is like he takes great pride in having changed the modern NFL. Him and Tom Brady together changed the modern NFL because it's about quick, short passes. It's about accurate, short passes. It's about getting the ball out in three seconds or less because you're never going to be hit. And if you're accurate enough, your receivers will get enough break off the line that they will complete it over and over and over again. Drew Brees did a lot of this too, but, you know, we give Sean Payton a lot of credit because Sean Payton picked and maybe lucked into one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to be his quarterback. And then he's tried it with less accurate quarterbacks, made them more accurate, whether it be Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. He's tried it with less accurate quarterbacks to some avail, but it's just that he happened to... The, the reason Sean Payton has success is because he designed an offense based on short, quick passes and happened to get the most accurate quarterback in the history of the NFL to be his quarterback. The game changed right around us, and those guys were ahead of the curve on that. And now you see Justin Herbert do some similar type things. Kyler Murray does similar type things. Uh, Russell Wilson, his game is predicated on how can I buy more time in the pocket? Same as Kyler Murray. How can I buy more time instead of those three-second quick releases? Matthew Stafford does a lot of this stuff. Matt Ryan tries to do some of this stuff, even if it's not as successful. Uh, you, you start to see the... And, and by the way, this is a Peyton Manning as well, setting it up. Now, Peyton Manning is, you know, everyone regards as the golden arm child, all that stuff. But anyways, the point being, Baker Mayfield gets in trouble when he turns the ball over because Baker Mayfield's whole style of play from college on forward is, we're going to take big shots, We're going to have some big mistakes, but we're going to have big plays that work, and that's how we're going to score points. I mean, Big 12 air raid offense at its best. Yes, we're going to turn the ball over. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, but we're also going to gunsling the ball and have uh, 28 touchdowns in a season where we only win seven games. And the game changed so quickly around Baker Mayfield that he was then put in an offense that asked him to not do the gunslinger type of things. They still strategically ask him to throw deep to Jarvis Landry, to throw deep to Donovan Peoples-Jones, or whichever no-name wide receiver the Browns have at this point. But the short, quick, accurate game was never quite Baker Mayfield's game. And, And by the way, this was a concern when Baker Mayfield was coming out of college. Baker Mayfield was the number one pick in his draft class, but Baker Mayfield was not the number one quarterback in his draft class. Everyone thought for months the Cleveland Browns were going to take Sam Darnold with the number one pick in the draft. Mel Kuyper, in his mock dra- or in his player ranking, said Josh Allen is one of the ten most talented quarterbacks I have ever seen in evaluating quarterbacks. He, I think he ranked him number ten when he did his forty-year recap a couple of years ago that Josh Allen is the the most talented quarterback in the draft class, but he's a big work in progress because he played 
junior college, low-level high school football, then played at the University of Wyoming where he was like a third-team all-Mountain uh, West, but he's just ridiculously gifted with the physical gifts. It's the same thing as DK Metcalf only having 11 catches in college. It's just he's so physically gifted that Josh Allen is the number one quarterback in the class. So Baker Mayfield was graded the third best quarterback in a draft class that, by the way, also had everyone evaluating Lamar Jackson incorrectly. He was the third best quarterback in a class that also had Lamar Jackson universally regarded below him. Baker Mayfield was, in essence, viewed as the fourth best quarterback in his draft class. And Baker Mayfield happened to be selected first because that's the quarterback that John Dorsey wanted. And by the way, it's a draft class that produced a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. If you're listing off the top 16 franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, if I'm going to argue there are 16 right now that you feel really good about if they're your starting quarterback, you can get four of them out of that draft class, or at least three of them in, uh, or I'm sorry, you can get three and potentially a fourth one if you want to go really argue the Sam Darnold point. I'm not going to, but you get Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, easily two of the top six quarterbacks in the NFL. 2019 class just had Kyler Murray. 2020, it looks to be, has Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. 2016 class just has Dak Prescott that you feel really good about. Like, if there are 16 quarterbacks and the average NFL career is 16 years, that's usually about one quarterback for a decade each quarter each draft class. Like roughly speaking, you have one generational type of quarterback every draft class. And so they guarantee two cuz Josh Allen quarterback for a decade in Buffalo, Lamar Jackson quarterback future Hall of Famer Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, Baker Mayfield is fighting that and Baker Mayfield is aging at a way that a quarterback who is a gunslinger in the modern NFL is aging, which is Baker Mayfield is probably not going to be a starting quarterback for a full decade. He might be a starting quarterback for six years or seven years, depending on how much of a chance he gets. Probably not going to be a starting quarterback for a full decade. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even get to be a starting quarterback for a full decade. Someone will give him a chance and maybe he'll get to a decade, but Jimmy G had if he if Jimmy G's going to make it a decade as a starting quarterback before he becomes a backup, Jimmy G is going to have to do it with technically three different teams. I know he never got the chance with the Patriots, but technically it's going to take Jimmy G three different teams to be a 10-year starter in the NFL. Andy Dalton got one with or Andy Dalton got it with one team and just like scraping by at the end. Kirk Cousins got two teams to become a starter for a decade in the NFL and the Vikings are even trying to find replacements for him. So if Kirk Cousins is going to make it a decade, he might have to go to three teams. And you're looking at Baker Mayfield and you just don't know what to do with the evaluation, which brings me to why I wanted to talk about Baker Mayfield so much at the very beginning of the day which is that I was watching part of the Browns and Packers game and I had no memes to make on comical sports. I didn't bring my phone with me. I just was in the moment watching the Browns and Packers game, fully acknowledging that I did say back in October, I felt like Baker Mayfield had a higher career trajectory than even Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. And Baker Mayfield ends up having 
not a great game. Baker Mayfield had a couple interceptions early on in the game. He only threw one touchdown. But if you take out the catastrophic plays, Baker Mayfield went until garbage time, or not garbage time, until the last drive of the game. Baker Mayfield, if you take out his interceptions right before the last drive, Baker Mayfield was 19 for 28, 210 yards, and two touchdowns. Which, if you take that on a surface level, that's a, an above-average quarterback rating. If you're completing, you know, 66% of your passes, ballparking it, like he completed one more than 66%. So say 68% of your passes, you're averaging 11 yards of completion, and you have two touchdowns. That is an above-average game for Baker Mayfield. And most quarterbacks in the NFL today average maybe one interception a game. If you round up, it's maybe one. Because Aaron Rodgers has four all season, but Aaron Rodgers is MVP of the league good. If you're taking like a dico- like a sample size of tier three quarterbacks, so the tier three quarterbacks we're talking about are like Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, uh, Kirk Cousins, the rotting corpse of Matt Ryan, which at this point is pretty much QB purgatory because Matt Ryan is about one year away from being Ben Roethlisberger. So he's moving more towards tier three. Derek Carr is probably in this class. Um, They average, you know, maybe one interception a game. I'm just trying to figure out some numbers here. So Ryan Tannehill happens to lead the league with 14 interceptions. You know, not a not great run for him so far this year. But uh, if you're just going down the line, you have Matthew Stafford, 10 interceptions in four games. Carson Wentz, I don't know what to do with the Carson Wentz experience, but 11 interceptions in 14 games. Jimmy Garoppolo, 10 interceptions in 14 games. You know, you start to see some of that stack up right there. And Baker Mayfield, by the way, thus far this season had just seven interceptions in 12 games. He missed one with injury. He missed one with COVID. So, you know, he he couldn't quite get to that big old number that we're used to seeing. And then Baker Mayfield had to right off the bat to start the Packer game, just a, it, with a six, nothing lead, by the way, six, nothing lead for the Cleveland Browns, just chucks a deep ball from the six yard line into double coverage. It's just a, a right fielder catching a pop-up interception for Darnell Savage. Leads to points for the Green Bay Packers. Throws an interception, leads to a field goal for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Throws an interception down at the goal line for the the Cleveland Browns, leads to Green Bay Packers. I think they actually punted on that one. But anyways, 10 points off of Baker Mayfield interceptions. It's 24-15. The Browns lead a comeback drive down the field. It's led by 3rd and 10, Nick Chubb having a 30-yard run. And one of the things I said while I'm watching this game is, when it's 24 to 15 and there's six and a half minutes left, the only way Cleveland is going to win the game is if they score points quickly. And they didn't score super quickly, but in three and a half minutes, they went down the field and scored a touchdown, 30 yard run by Nick Chubb, and then it led to a blown coverage touchdown to one of the nameless wide receivers on the Cleveland Browns. I can't even tell you what his name was at this point. Um, it was, uh, it was it, Jesus, who was it? Was it? Schwartz did Schwartz have a touchdown I don't even remember it's one of the one of the nameless guys for the Cleveland Browns had a touchdown but uh Cleveland ends up cutting it to a two-point game at this point and and it would have been tied if their kicker had made extra points but all of that to say so they get it to two points 
as we talked about earlier, Denzel Ward coverage on Devontae Adams pass that's always completed. Rodgers to Adams breaking off the line, totally guaranteed play, incomplete. Devontae Adams just straight drops a pass on third down. So the Packers have made the mistakes that allow the Browns back in. They have two and a half minutes to go, three timeouts, down two points. I say right there, Cleveland is going to win this game. Said it right then when they're punting the ball back to Cleveland, not knowing where they're going to get the ball. They started at the 24-yard line. Said, Cleveland is going to win this football game. 24-22, Cleveland is going to win. And what happened is Cleveland said, okay, hand off to Chubb. We're not going to run up to the line. We have three timeouts. Hand off to Chubb. Hand off to Chubb. Full Chubb, no half Chubb, always full Chubb. They just hid Baker Mayfield on the last drive until Baker Mayfield asked to complete short pass like Aaron Rodgers. And this was the most revealing thing I think I've seen on Baker Mayfield. And maybe it's because I didn't have memes to make or I was just focused on the game or whatever it was. Baker Mayfield, short out route to Javen Njoku, incomplete pass. Baker Mayfield, 15-yard pass on the sidelines to David Njoku, incomplete Run the ball with Nick Chubb. Pick up a first down for the Cleveland Browns. Get the ball just across midfield. Baker Mayfield at this point is 0 for 3 on the drive. They threw a deep pass early on and it was incomplete. He missed David and he threw behind David and Joku on a post route and then he overthrew David and Joku on an out route and then finishes the game with the play to Donovan Peoples Jones that could have, should have, would have been an interception throws it in front of Peoples-Jones. It goes right into the hands of Rezul Douglas with over two minutes left to go. Or Sorry, with... Uh, no, at the time, there's 50 seconds left in the game. 50 seconds to go. They're killing clock. They have three timeouts. They have the ball just behind midfield. Baker throws his fourth interception of the game. Pass interference or not, fourth interception of the game. Packers get the ball. And right when the Packers made the mistake that, by the way, the same mistake that cost them at a similar time in the NFC Championship last year, which was incomplete pass where Rodgers doesn't run instead of pass, or he he passes instead of running for the touchdown, or at least running to the one-yard line, and then they kick a field goal, and they never see it again. They made the same mistake this time. Rodgers to Adams breaking off the line of scrimmage. That's automatic, automatic. Rodgers in one second getting the ball out to Devontae Adams running a screen pass. Denzel Ward breaks it up, and on third down, Devontae Adams just straight drops a pass, just straight hit his hands, dropped it. Packers gave you the chance to win. They made the mistake, and the Browns came back and made more mistakes, even as they tried to disguise Baker Mayfield, even as they come out and say, run the ball with Chubb, we're going to kill 20 seconds off the clock. Two-minute drill with with two minutes left to go. They got the ball with 2.05 left to go. Run the ball to Chubb, two-minute warning. Run the ball to Chubb, let 10 seconds run off the clock. Run the ball to Chubb, let 20 seconds run off the clock. Get to 50 seconds, and Baker Mayfield finishes the game 0 for 4, Throws a, a, a five-yard out route behind Njoku, overthrows Njoku, interception, game over. And it was revealing because I felt like Baker Mayfield could at least get them down the field. And I don't know how healthy Baker Mayfield is. I don't know what to do with Baker Mayfield at this point in the season. But that one was like, wow, maybe... Baker Mayfield can't do it because it was just it was so jarring in that moment because the whole way I'm thinking if you take out the mistake plays if you take out the three interceptions 
Baker Mayfield is having an above average game as a quarterback. Baker Mayfield is playing above league average as a starting quarterback, which technically means he's a top 15 quarterback. And I said coming into the year, Baker Mayfield is a top is a tier three quarterback, which means someone that you would extend for some amount of money that signifies a significant portion of your cap space. And the part that's difficult to talk about with Baker Mayfield is every single platform has been taken on Baker Mayfield up to this point. And maybe we don't talk about Baker Mayfield again after this podcast, but it feels like every single exit ramp has been taken on the Baker Mayfield conversation. And the way I look at it right now is Baker Mayfield above average when he's not doing the things that you drafted Baker Mayfield to do, which is big plays but make costly plays. And if you're going to build an offense that strategically takes big plays, but also can't afford to have the big play interceptions and can't do the short, quick stuff that game managed type quarterbacks try to do because Baker Mayfield's not skilled in that, in that short, quick accuracy game, it might just be a mismatch and a misutilization of Baker Mayfield. And the difficult part for the Cleveland Browns is Baker Mayfield can give you things that you're not trying to run. You're trying to run an offense not predicated on boom or bust. You're running an offense that is strategic passes, strategic passes, matriculate, run the ball, run the ball, best offensive line and maybe in the NFL, two pro, or three pro bowlers, Jedrick Wills, Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio, just spent $100 million on your offensive line extending them like five five weeks ago or six weeks ago spent a hundred million dollars extending your offensive line number 10 pick in the draft is your right tackle or your left tackle jack conklin you paid 60 million dollars for jack conklin like that's and nick chubb one of the best running backs in the nfl kareem hunt one of the best backup running backs in the nfl that you only got because of weird market corrections and you have tons of tight ends no name wide receivers you want to run the ball and you want to throw short, quick passes and then strategically take big shots, strategically take big plays down the field. Baker Mayfield gives you that option in the big plays, but he's not the short game accuracy guy. And that's the difficult part about knowing your personnel versus building an offense that Kevin Stefanski for years built running games around with Adrian Peterson and then for one year with Latavius Murray and Dalvin Cook. Like building strong running games without strong offensive lines. It's the game Stefanski has always wanted to run. It's the reason the Browns hired Stefanski after the Freddie Kitchens experiment failed. And Baker Mayfield is the quarterback that you inherited. And I don't know what you do in that situation. I would extend Baker Mayfield but I would extend Baker Mayfield for less than top 10 quarterback money. It's really, really complicated to figure this out as he gets you know, a fifth-year option and then one year on a franchise tag, and he plays through injury because he bet on himself to sign an extension. I think Cleveland is probably one of these teams that's looking at what their options are at the quarterback position while also acknowledging it's hard to find someone better than Baker Mayfield. It's really hard. And so this might be the compromise they come to where Baker gets way less than he thought. He's willing to play it out on the franchise tag, but the Browns don't want to give him the franchise tag. And they're willing to give him some level of secured money, but also an out to trade him if they find a better option. It feels like everyone needs more time 
but everyone is like, eh, we can't really do much better. And if Baker Mayfield does, takes out the, you know, the, the four interceptions today, not only do the Browns win, but Baker Mayfield has a, a re, one of his better days as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And this year, Baker Mayfield's quarterback rating gives us minimal evaluation. Again, I don't know how healthy Baker Mayfield has been, but he's had one atrocious season. One year that you know very clearly if you look at those statistics, not an NFL quarterback. Like Sam Darnold put up those statistics for his entire career. Second year, disaster in Cleveland. Two years that look pretty identical, which is slightly above average. You could make an argument for a franchise quarterback, especially if you're only paying him $8 million. This year gives them almost nothing, which is an 88 quarterback rating and a passer rating of a QBR of 38.7, which is by far the worst of his career, worse than the 2019 Browns season. And all that gives you is, well, it could be worse. Well, he's playing injured. Gives you no real evaluation of Baker Mayfield. And at this point, the Browns might just stick it out for the sake of being just okay. And that's kind of difficult to process and evaluate because I don't know what to do with Baker Mayfield. Today's game made it even more difficult to figure out what to do with Baker Mayfield. It'll be interesting to see what the Browns do with Baker Mayfield as we go forward, which we may or may not talk about again because Browns are eliminated and Baker Mayfield had a chance to really throw those AFC playoff pictures into a funk if they could have gotten there. But if you're going a two-minute drill and you're calling draw plays to Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield's going 0 for 4 with a game-sealing interception, not like one game sample size thing does more, but it's not like we don't have, what is it now, 50-plus games of sample size on Baker Mayfield to know what he is, which is the third-best quarterback in his draft class in a really, really good draft class. Someone, I can give you... Similarly to Jimmy Garoppolo, I can give you 12 teams right now that would be happy to have Baker Mayfield. And he's kind of in quarterback purgatory. This is why we have the quarterback purgatory tier, which is there's about 22 franchise quarter. There's really 20 to 21 starting level quarterbacks in the NFL. But if you don't have one of the top 15, even you are looking around at replacement options. Can we do better? Can we improve this? Can we take a shot at the board? And I don't know if Cleveland would have the cojones to do it. I wouldn't have the cojones to do it. I'd offer Baker Mayfield three years, $63 million. With, you know, maybe $15 million guaranteed. And Baker Mayfield would probably decline because if he does the franchise tag, he could get one year, about $30 million fully guaranteed. It's a really lose-lose proposition for the Cleveland Browns. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield is willing to take less or if there's a team out there that values Baker Mayfield in that way. It's really, really up in the air. It's not great, but it's not bad, which is the exact definition of quarterback purgatory. So unhealthy Baker Mayfield who had a torn labrum in one shoulder, sprained shoulder in his throwing shoulder or sprained shoulder on his throwing arm. Knee injury, foot injury, heel injury, back injury, chest injury, head injury, COVID, Baker Mayfield, welcome to quarterback purgatory. 
like to officially welcome you, along with Jimmy Garoppolo, along with what I would like to argue, Derek Carr, (laughs) what I'd also like to argue, even though it's harder to, uh, I would put who else was in quarterback purgatory going into this year was Sam Darnold, but now we know Sam Darnold's ass. Um, would like to Matt Ryan welcome with Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger. Even though Ben Roethlisberger's washed, Ben Roethlisberger used to be a tier three quarterback. Welcome to quarterback purgatory. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. All right, y'all. It's time for the Take It Easy Pick'em Pool once again. I got to put my nine and one back-to-back two weeks on the line here. We're up to 40 34 and 1 2 weeks ago we were 31 33 and 1 we are 9 and 1 in the last 2 weeks so i got to make five more picks here Blake Jude has thrown his picks into the mix he had a rough week last week and i jumped ahead of him in a blood week where he went 1 and 4 but as we mentioned on the podcast he has the Falcons at minus 6 against the Lions Rams Minus three against the or three and a half, I think, against the Vikings. We'll figure that out later. He had the Cardinals. That's an L. He uh, is already down one zero there. He's got the Chiefs minus ten, and he's got the Philadelphia Eagles minus ten. Uh, Walter's picks, as always, are coming up in a well at the end of this. But first, I got my picks. Started off. I'm taking Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears. Why? just because and like 90% of the money is on the Seattle Seahawks so I'll take the Bears and points I believe the point number now is as good as I can get it seven points so I'll take Nick Foles and seven points Uh, even though I said that we weren't going to do serious Bears analysis and it's always dumb to pick teams that have nothing to play for it's always really unpredictable when teams have nothing to play for so I'll take the Bears and hope that Matt Nagy's got one more win left in his old caboose before he gets fired with Nick Foles magic Uh, I'll take Dallas Sunday night minus 10 against Washington feel pretty good about that picked Dallas a couple weeks ago came through for me I'm gonna pick them again because they're way better than Washington we wanted to pretend Washington had a chance to catch the Cowboys they did not Cowboys they're good They'll beat Washington handily. Buffalo plays the Patriots. Winner on Sunday gets the... Well, if the Patriots win, they lock up the AFC East. If Buffalo wins, they're in a tie with the Patriots. I don't know how tiebreakers work, but it's anyone's division if Buffalo wins. I got Buffalo plus one and a half. Why do I have Buffalo plus one and a half? Because I'm hedging the bet I made of Patriots straight up over on the Slump Buster podcast. So I'll take Buffalo and the one and a half points. And uh, I have to win no matter what. If it's a one-point win, I really win. So 
I'll take Buffalo as a hedge. I'll take the Saints at my at plus two and a half on Sunday to win against the or on Monday with Ian Book against the Miami Dolphins. Why? Because I've been saying the whole time the New Orleans Camaras are going to make the playoffs in the NFC and the Miami Dolphins are not allowed to make the playoffs in the AFC. This is the result I need to have happen to be proven right. So I'll take the Saints and as we do every year, we have a tradition. Whenever it happens, this year it happens because both teams are in last place. It'll happen again next year because both teams are in last place. And then the year after that, they'll play each other just because that's how the cycle works on playing the divisions. We had a rule on the podcast for many years, and I think we've kind of changed it as of this year to Vikings and Chargers. But if you ever wanted to opt out of picking any game on the Take It Easy Pick'em Pool, you could either pick Lions or Falcons. DSD picked the Falcons every week. He had a great run with the Falcons, then he lost one, and then he stopped making picks. But he went 3-1 and one picking the Falcons. He liked to live on the edge and live dangerously. But if you ever wanted to skip a pick, you could pick a Lions game or you could pick a Falcons game. And Once a year, there's a perfect confluence of events where the Lions play the Falcons and everyone is required to pick that game. And damn it, if I didn't say two weeks ago that the Falcons would lose every game the rest of the season, and that included against the Lions, and I ain't sticking to that shit, then you don't know this podcast and you don't know me who is usually terrible at picks or usually average at picks but is 9-1 and one in the last two weeks and just needs to not have a catastrophically bad three weeks and he gets to finish above 500 like he always wants to. Nine games above 500. I am taking the Detroit Lions plus seven against the Atlanta Falcons. The line has moved ever so slightly, so I'm going to give Blake the 7-2 with the Falcons. He can have the extra point. Well, I guess he doesn't need the extra point. That's worse for him. So he gets minus 6 on the Falcons, just needs him to win by 6 points. He doesn't need the 7. I'll take the plus 7 as the line moves for the Detroit Lions on the road, win at Atlanta. Now we move on to Walter Mitchell's picks. He's the only person below 500 at this point. He had a blood week last week, as we'll talk about, but Walter has five more dandy of a picks here to close out our 100th episode of Wired Up. Let's do our picks this week. Let's do our picks. I just need to find the schedules and type in everyone's bloodbath week of losses. So you, if you win with the Rams, what is that, tomorrow, I think? If you win with the Rams, then that puts you two games under 500. Okay. So we've got to climb back a little bit. Right. I am now I'm below the Mendoza line. Yep. Below the Mendoza line. That's my goal every year is to just get above the Mendoza line. Yes. So, yeah, that's, we'll see how it ends up this year. But I'm hoping that, I, I'm hoping six games above with three weeks to go will, will keep me secure. I'm not, no guarantees, but I feel pretty good that I'm going to get. Yeah. Over 500 this year. Let's see. So, now that I have the picks up here, let's go to week 16. Uh, first, uh, let's do... Ooh, this should be fun. How about the Bills at the Patriots? This, If the Patriots win, they win the AFC East. If Buffalo wins, then they're tied with the Patriots again. Patriots are three-point favorites at home. 
Um, somehow I feel the Bills. I'm feeling the Bills. I'll go with the Bills. Bills Mafia through and through. Josh Allen's got something in store. I'm just I'm. I mentally messed up from last time because I just joined and it was like 50 mile an hour winds and snow. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's probably going to lead Patriots. So I don't know what the what the forecast is looking like up in your area, but that one kind of feels like a game of the week type of situation. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Let's do Chargers at the Texans. Chargers are 10 point favorites at Houston. Houston coming off a good win. Um, Cully's got some stuff going on there. Uh, I mean, I think this kid, Davis Mills, is making a case. Um, However, keep him around as they tank again next year. Yeah, I don't know if the Texans running games. I'm going to. Go with your Chargers because you're home for the holidays. I, I'm I'm riding the Little Rock Express on this one. Chargers didn't want us. It's technically not home anymore. <laughs> they did, they didn't want us. Yeah, true. They, well, they're still in SoCal, so yeah, it's two two and a half hours up the road. That's <laughs> if you talk to someone from San Diego, I don't care as much anymore. But San Diego people get mad when you call them basically like Los Angeles. Right. I don't that doesn't bother me as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, exactly. How about the other you. biggest game of the week? The Ravens at the Bengals. They have the exact same record right now with three to go. Winner pretty much locks up the AFC North. So the Bengals are three point favorites at home against Baltimore. The Lamar Jackson list as it stands, Baltimore Ravens. I'm gonna pick the Ravens in this one. Yeah, I I, I want to say the Ravens will make the playoff, but I, if they don't have Lamar Jackson, they won't make the playoff. And if they do have Lamar Jackson, they will make the playoff. And that's yeah. basically all the analysis I can give. He'll play this, this week, I'm point. pretty sure. But the, I love the kid Huntley, so Huntley. Yeah, I, um, Huntley's been fantastic. He's been great. So either way, I, I think the Bengals are kind of up and down and, they hung on yesterday, right? So, but uh, I feel that the Ravens will be um, in a, in a real fight back mode. So, I'm going to go with them. I want to believe, but after the injury yesterday to their uh, left guard, the Ravens now have had 16 of their original 22 starters spend some amount of extended time on injury. This oh, year. it's unbelievable! Yep. Yeah, for the second year in a row in the middle of Lamar Jackson's prime. Right. We talk about that special quarterback in their prime. It's sad what's going on with the Ravens because the last yeah. time they were fully healthy, they were unbeatable. Right. Uh, oh, this is a disgusting game. Uh, Broncos at the Raiders. It's a straight pick em. Pick the winner. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is, well, this Teddy is Bridgewater is going to be out, um, so I'll pick the Raiders. Yeah, the, both of these teams are. Uh, they, they somehow have. They they might both be seven and seven at the time they play this, which is weird. But yeah, n- neither of these teams feel especially good. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, my rule on principle is that whenever whenever things get close for the Raiders, on principle, the Raiders are never allowed to be good. So I always bet against the Raiders whenever things start to look good for them because they, they're just not allowed to ever be good in my entire lifetime. And the last game is my favorite of the week. The Dolphins at the Saints, Monday night football. Saints are three-point favorites against the red-hot Miami Dolphins. I know. The greatest football team. <laughs> they run the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins. Ah, the, I, I, I technically messed up because we decided uh, – this week that the New Orleans Saints, this is before the Buccaneers game, but I decided that the New Orleans Saints will no longer be the New Orleans Saints. They will be the New Orleans Camaras for the rest of the season because their path to the playoff is to just run Alvin Kamara into the ground and get a meaningless seventh playoff seed. Just have <laughs> 35 touches a game and 10 touchdowns over the next three games for Kamara and let them get into the playoffs. But Mostly because I don't want to watch Washington is, in the playoffs. No playoff seed is ever meaningless. I mean, for that comeback to be one and seven, and now seven and seven. Oh, for Miami, yeah, yeah it's incredible for them. And oh, you were talking about me, New Orleans. Yeah, I was talking about the Saints getting that would be a, an seventh seed accomplishment for them to get in. Yeah, seeing as what they've they gone be, through even if they would be 10-point underdogs against the Packers in the first playoff game, I still want to – I want to see them over Washington is pretty much my entire crux. I want to see the Saints play over Washington in the playoffs. Yeah. So, I if Miami wins that one, it's going to be tough for the Saints to get in. But the Saints did get the win against the Bucks, so it, it becomes slightly easier for New Orleans now. Right. Did you? When was the last time there was a football game without a touchdown? Was it that? Did the Bills Jaguars game earlier this year not have a touchdown? I can't remember. I know it was like nine six, but I can't remember if it was like a touchdown and no, it was all field goals. So yeah, Bills Jags and Saints Bucks are the two games this year with no touchdowns in them. Oh, yep, I. Applaud both teams for sticking in there and getting through the adversity. That's going to be a tough game. I, I just, I just don't know if New Orleans has enough offensively to keep winning. New Orleans Camaras, baby, just keep running Alvin <laughs> Camara. It's your only yeah, chance. but he's not hundred percent healthy, and I don't know. It's a terrible strategy is the reason I keep bringing it up is because Alvin Kamara is already in his fifth year, and that's an age where running backs start to get close to that threshold of carries when their body starts to break down a bit more. So it's not wise to run Alvin Kamara 110 times in the next three games. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.